Welcome to this episode of The Strong Way with Kathy Ostopchuk. The strong way isn't always the easiest way, but it is the best way. It often means coming face to face with giants, experiencing defining moments, and coming out stronger on the other side. Thanks for tuning in to Kathy's conversation today, covering success, strategy, transformation, resistance, resilience, and more than enough wisdom to inspire you to stay in the game. We believe you have it in you to find your strong way forward. The strong way is not always the easiest way, but it's the best way because it's your way. And now, here's Kathy. Well, hey everyone, welcome to episode four of The Strong Way with me, your host, Kathy Ostrichuk. You are in for a treat today. If you are a leader in any season, just starting out in midlife, or in a later season, there are certain ways of ordering your life that ensure a strong finish. You know, we live in a culture where almost everyone wants to be famous. I know I have wanted to at various points in my life, or we live vicariously through the lives of people that we hold up on pedestals. My guest on today's episode of the podcast had fame as a hockey player and legend. And who wouldn't want to be that guy, that girl who had it all not only for a moment, but for a lifetime, but found fame to be lacking. In this rare and candid conversation with my friend and mentor, hockey legend, Paul Henderson, I'm exploring with Paul his rise to fame and his turn to faith and his life and leadership lessons learned in both spheres. Surprised by a cancer diagnosis, Paul shares how physical suffering has made him stronger, not weaker. Paul's winning goal in the last game of the Canada-Russia Hockey Series in 1972 was declared the greatest sports moment in the last century, and Team Canada 72 was voted the team of the century. Paul offers wisdom learned from the game of life professionally, personally, and spiritually. I believe this conversation is going to be a game changer for you. Because I have so many of you listeners that are outside of the country of Canada, if you don't know who Paul Henderson is, you should. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about his life. He's married to Eleanor, his high school sweetheart, and who has also been a strong mentor in my life. Paul began his hockey career in Lucknow, Ontario, progressing to Junior A with the Hamilton Red Wings. After winning the Memorial Cup in 1962, he moved to the NHL. Paul played 18 years of pro hockey, first with the Detroit Red Wings, then the Toronto Maple Leafs and Atlanta Flames, including five years in the WHA. So as a pro, he scored 376 goals and added 384 assists. History will remember Paul though for the first Canada-Russia hockey series in 1972. And maybe you remember where you were then if you were old enough when Canada needed a victory in each of the last three games to win the series. And incredibly, Paul scored the winning goal in each of the three games. But it's the goal in the last game that was declared the greatest sports moment in the last century. And Team Canada 72 was voted the team of the century. And Paul's an author, he's co-authored several books, the most recent being How Hockey Explains Canada, and his own autobiography, The Goal of My Life, which was released in 2012. As a motivational speaker, he's addressed many of Canada's major corporations. 
Paul and his wife, Eleanor, also speak at marriage conferences, and he speaks widely in the Christian community. So what I know Paul for and what my husband knows him for most is that he currently works with Leader Impact Group, which he actually founded, and where he has been developing men for leadership since 1984. And I would put my name in there as a female that Paul has personally invested in and developed. Paul holds two honorary Doctor of Divinity degrees, and he's an avid reader, loves golf, and tennis. So on a personal note, I remember golfing with Paul just once. <laughs> I'm too intimidated to ever golf with him again, I'm not gonna lie. He had me redoing several of my putts just to see if I could do better. He's that competitive. So you better have your game on if you tee it up with this guy. And now my conversation with one of my all-time heroes on and off the ice, Paul Henderson. Well, everyone, I have here one of your hockey heroes and one of my personal heroes, one of our family heroes, and his name is Paul Henderson. And whether you have heard of him or not, depending on how old you are, you should, because he has outlasted, outrun, outscored, outplayed, outlived uh, all of us that are walking on this planet in this cultural moment. So, Paul, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here. Looking forward to it. So, Paul, I want to take us back a few years and see if you can remember uh, when we first met and the circumstances surrounding that. Well, actually, we met at a church, is my recollection, at Richview Baptist. We had just come back from the United States, and we started going there, and I met you and Steve, and then Steve and I started playing uh, um, racquetball. Then, of course, started we uh, got together as have meals together, and the friendship took off, and it's been going all these years since uh, nineteen, I guess eighteen, yeah, nineteen eighty-four. You're right. You got the year right. That's the year we were married, and we've been friends ever since. And of course, you've been our mentors in a huge way. It's been incredible. And Eleanor has been my mentor, your amazing wife, but you've also been my mentor, which I love to point out because some of the nuggets that you've planted into me have borne fruit. And so I thank you for that. So we want to talk a little bit about what it means to live strong, because the perception is that um, if you if if your life is successful, if you feel that you've made it, if other people think you've made it that's living a strong life. But we know very well that there could be an appearance of something and what's happening on the inside is totally different. So starting with this whole idea of success, obviously you are successful. Is that a surprise to you? And what would be your definition of success, Paul? Well, it would definitely be a surprise. There's no question. I mean, I had a game plan, that was for sure. But, you know, when I started out, I, I really wanted to reach out. And, uh, and one of the things, smart things that I did, I, I, I thought about how I wanted to start this. And if I was going to be successful, and this was strategic for me, I wanted to start small. I sat down, okay, I, what am I trying to do? Don't try to do 10 different things at the same time. What is the one thing you want to do and want to mentor men, lead them to Christ and mentor them. And then I wanted to start small, then go deep, learn how to do it before you expand. I mean, try different things. And, and then once you get it going, think big, dream your dreams and go after them. 
And then I am so glad that I thought about this finish well. I, I, right from the start, don't screw up. As you look at a lot of people did not finish well. And so start small, go deep, think big, finish well. And obviously I could have done a better job in every place, but hopefully I'm going to finish well. Yeah, I love that about you. That's one of the things that sets you apart from other people that we actually call celebrities and put on platform is that you are very humble, very competitive, but very humble and always acknowledging that you could have done things better. But what you did do has been transformational to a world that has been watching. And I guess I'm just curious how you are now, given the fact that in 2019, you had a very surprising <laughs> and terminal cancer diagnosis. And here you are still living, breathing. How has the past year or two or five been for you? Well, it, all of us have one day at a time. And I remember I was actually diagnosed in 09. And uh, they told me I have lymphoma and leukemia. And they told me that, uh, you know, I, I'd probably have five years. They'd have to give me chemo and be good for two or three years and then have to hit me again. But thank goodness I got cancer when I did because of a lot of changes. I get into a clinical trial. But even back then, I, we sat down and we said, Ellen and I said, we're not going to let cancer define our life. That we're going to live, continue to live each day is the way we have. And, and I'm fully convinced then and even today, I'm not going to live a day longer than the Lord wants me to or a day less. And so we decided we're going to enjoy life and keep it going the best way we can. And we've done that. And so uh, fortunately, got into a clinical trial in the United States in Bethesda, Maryland. And that basically, that saved my life, no question about it. But when, you know, it's interesting uh, with the COVID, especially the last year, there's said to be, and you know, in life, everything is, there's pluses and minuses. And in, in ministry, like now, uh, I've, I've got my men's group, started a new group last year, and I, I've got two guys that are now in Florida. I've got another guy that's moving to Manitoulin Island, but we can meet. You know, you got on a Zoom call, and so our ministry has ex expanded like crazy. Now, the bad side of that is, you know, I, I miss the fellowship. They miss guys around the table, and you can, uh, you know, the kibitzing that goes on and that. But anyway, you just, you, you know, you make new every day. Nora and I get up again this morning and I had to give blood work bright and early, came back. And anyway, here we go. Lord, help us. And I, I pray every day, Lord, there's two things I need from you. Save me from myself and the devil and we'll make out well. It's the guy in the mirror that I see that I'm more worried about. And so many of us are focused on comparing ourselves with everybody else that's out there trying to be like them. And you're just saying, I've got to focus on myself, right? You got it. Well, Eugene Peterson in the Beatitudes, he says, you're blessed, the third one, you're blessed when you are content with who you are. No more, no less. And that's the moment you discover that you're proud over owners of everything that can't be bought. And I really believe if you can't love yourself, how are you going to love somebody else? But I, that's one thing that I am content. But of course, I'm married to Eleanor, and that's probably 90% of the reason. I only have one fear in the world. And that is the only fear I have is that I would die before her. Because if she, 
I will, she will make out a lot better without me than I would without her. And you know her. I mean, she is the heart and soul of the Henderson family. And I, I never do anything anymore without asking her. I mean, it's incredible. I, for years, I made all of the decisions. But the Lord, wise, you know, you get a little wiser as you get older, hopefully. I ask her about everything now. I don't make any decisions without her input. Because I finally yeah. realized she's a lot smarter than I am. Yeah. And I think that's part of your success. And I know I remember you telling the story of how you met her, that you were very strategic, like you went after this woman, you knew what you wanted, and you went after her. So she's been a very, she's been a strategic nugget. <laughs> I believe amazing. I believe God created her just for me. I really did. And I'll tell you what, the ministry would have never been as successful. When I first started it, I would bring people you know, after I got a few leaders, you know, we've, we'd go to a restaurant or something like that. But then I finally said, oh, Ellen is such a great cook. And everybody came if we did something ahead of dinner or something at our house, because, you know, the cook she is and everything like that. And I leaned heavy on her. Our home became the place that we had an impact on people. So I, thank goodness I recognized that early. Smart man, smart man. I like to think my husband is smart as well. <laughs> So we've talked about success and you gave four amazing principles and that would be enough, but we've also talked a little bit about surprises. And I think I've read enough about your winning goal in 1972 against the Soviets that that was a surprise. That was a fluke goal, that goal, you know, of all the goals that you made, you know, in that series, that was the one that is crazily enough, the one you remembered for. So, and then being diagnosed with cancer that's a huge surprise and then another surprise is that you're still here paul you're still here <laughs> <I'm> still kicking <laughs> yeah and i love that so it's a combination of you know being successful intentionally strategizing picking the right woman for sure but also being open to the surprises on this strong journey anything else in the last year that has surprised you you brought up the fact that we can actually gather more than ever with people that are far away. So that's amazing. Anything else as you're looking at the world that you go, wow, that's a surprise. I wonder what God's doing. Well, I, I, I think there's, there's so many surprises that come out of the, and just like I said before, there's pluses and minuses, but the, with hockey players, like we've got uh, hockey ministries international, they do camps and all that kind of stuff. And, we, we did a, a Christmas party uh, 41 years ago, and I, they took a picture of Ellen and I and my three daughters. They were very young at that time. And, and now it, we've got about 45 ex-NHL hockey players, professional hockey players. We meet on a Zoom once a month, and we're doing a Christmas special this year. And so with the Zoom, and last we did it last year, and we had over, uh, I think it was like, 5,000 people got into it. We're doing it on the 21st this year. And so this, this you know, Zoom we've had to go to has allowed us to explore things. And you can, you can talk. We have speakers now. We do outreach in Africa speaking to us. I'm, well, you know that, Kathy. And, and you've spoken and done a great job. By the way, you are a great speaker. I mean, <laughs> I, I, you know, if I had to start over again, I'd start with women. Kathy, yes, the women are so much smarter than we are. And, and the women run our meetings like we, with the, you know, Steve's on one of the leaders in Oakville and that. 
and the women are the leaders and, and the meetings run so much better without them. And so if I start over, I start with women, not men. Well, that's a surprise. I mean, who would have thought, right? <laughs> that women could well, lead. I really appreciate it. that. I know you've invested in me. You've invested in Steve. And um, I think that's what's uh, beautiful about the co-laboring. You know, we all flourish when men and women co-labor together. I want to talk a little bit about transformation. So your whole life changed, obviously, after that goal in 72. Mm-hmm. Um, but where's the biggest transformation for you been? I mean, I think we know part of the answer, but how would you answer that? Well, I, I, oh, this is 25 years ago. I, the guys in my group, the Lord spoke to me one morning. And my, my name is Paul Garnett Henderson. And the Lord, I was reading in, in my Bible, and it talked about patience, gentleness, humility, P-G-H. And I asked those guys, listen, I need help. I am not the most patient person, as you know, gentle and humble. Like, But now I know how to spell humble, okay? <laughs> I never lack self-confidence. And so I, I, I'm still a guy. I've got a couple of guys that were in that group way back. That, that was in the, in the late 80s and still pray for me in those areas. But I think the biggest transformation for me, Kathy, is that after I got cancer and turned the ministry over to other people, that like I know how to lead and I know how to speak. But I think the Lord says, Paul, you need to learn how to follow and to listen. And so for the last probably two years, I've been really trying to cultivate my listening skills and and, and following. In fact, uh, I always, the groups I was in, I led for years, the last few years turning over. Now I've even turned the group, my own group. I gave it over a new fellow that came along and said, Chris, well, Chris is now the Mississauga team leader. And I said, Chris, I want to, I know how to lead, but I'm not sure I know how to follow. And like, I've always got something to say, and I know that I need to shut up and let other people soar. So, and even with my time with the Lord, Kathy, you know, like I've always been disciplined that way, but I'm really, and I journal back journaling again every morning, and I'm trying to listen to what God wants for me. And I take that time. I'm really fortunate to just know I'm a morning person, but it's it's the 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 following and the listening, which are not natural for me. But anyway, I, I think I'm making headway. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, most leaders would say we need to lead. And we need to have all the answers. And you're saying we need to follow more and listen more. That is gold. That's priceless. Appreciate that. And I wonder as you've, you know, experienced a lot of high moments in your journey, a lot of low moments, obviously, but what, what has the resistance been? Because being a celebrity out in the world, sports, and everybody's asking you to speak and tell your story of success. Um, has there been resistance to your story of faith? Well, there was a case, but it was probably deserved. I, I, I love the story. I first became a Christian, and you know how passionate I am. Well, then, I mean, the changes the Lord made me. So I jumped to the Toronto Toros at the time. And one of my teammates came to, came to me one day, and he says, Henny says you're a good guy, but I'll tell you what, you're getting to be a pain in the ass talking about the Lord all the time. And I, you know, and it was the best advice we get. There's a time and a place for everything. And, you know, like, 
guys would come in and they'd be drinking and that's when they'd want to talk about faith and that kind of stuff. And I finally woke up to the fact that they wouldn't remember a thing I said anyway, <laughs> but, but I was so, you know, I, I just felt, I just felt impelled. But, and the other side of the coin, when I, my, the day I gave my life to the Lord, which is March 12th of 1975, and I'd been working on this for two years. And I got up that morning and I said, Lord, there's much I don't understand about you, but I am firmly convinced you are who you say you are. And I want to give my life to you. I, you tell me you're, you want to wipe the slate clean. And I am so excited about that. And please help me be the man you want me to be. And I, I found myself saying, don't expect me to tell anybody about this. I'm going to be a secret service Christian. I actually prayed that. And then, you know, God must have just had a sense of humor up there because he was the guy that the Holy Spirit just wouldn't let. But I, I, it wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it might be. But I used, you know, I've been called a Bible thumper. And oh, you, I remember this one time. This guy said, oh, you're one of those born againers. And I said, no kidding. I said, what do you mean by born again? Well, you know. I said, no, I don't know. Well, what do you mean by born again? Well, you know, it's that religious stuff. Well, I still don't understand. You know, but, and so I find it. I say, well, let me tell you what it is. I think people know who I am. They know I'm a Christian and I don't get it. But I know a lot of people still make fun behind my back. I mean, and, and that'll always happen. But also, if you're not if you're not causing a little bit of aggravation somewhere, you're probably milk toast. And that's one thing I'm never going to be is milk toast. And so I would far sooner get criticized for being a Christian or being, you know, that way. But God tells us to do it gently and, and graciously. And if you do it graciously and gently, you usually don't get in very much problem. But what the thing I've learned, Kathy, is to find out where they're hurting to start with or what they're interested in. Instead of me just coming, oh, this is what, get to know them a little bit better what's going on, family or whatever it would be. And, and nobody gets a wrinkle-free life. And usually guys are struggling somewhere. And then it allows you, to, well, in my situation, I just get up and I ask God for help unashamedly. Lord, please help me. And, and I do that. I still do that every every day. And Eleanor and I do it together. Lord, just, and we pray, Lord, if there's anybody that needs a word of encouragement today, bring them to our mind. And that's what the Holy Spirit is there. And if I'm somebody phones and asks for uh, advice or about something, I quickly start praying, Lord, please, 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 your Holy Spirit, please give me wisdom. And don't let me say anything stupid that's going to do anything. And, and so when you do that and you know you've asked for help, then you, you know, we've all got experience. And then you try to meet the need from your experience. And one of the great things that Ellen and I spoke at the, uh, at marriage conferences for 25 years. And we, oh man, I, I always wanted to get her involved, but just, it didn't seem to be a fit. And then we decided to speak at marriage conferences and man, was that ever been able to minister to her? And we probably even today get more feedback from couples that went to our conferences than anything we've ever done. And is it ever neat when you, when you can do something with your partner? And uh, so we're very, very blessed. Yeah, that's amazing. There's so much there. I mean, if you didn't know, have a strong sense of identity of who you were and what you were put on this earth to do uh, when when you did meet <laughs> the Lord, 
Um, we would have not been the benefit of you saying, I'm going to be this person. I'm not going to keep my message secret. I'm going to put it out there because so many people now we want to be liked, you know, we want people to invite us places. We want them to, you know, invite us to speak, but we want to keep this part of our life secret. And you haven't done that. And talking about prayer, <laughs> I remember that at least once or twice or three times I was at home, you know, raising the kids. And I think you meant to call Steve. That was back in the day when we all had landlines and I would pick up the phone and it was you saying, Hey, we're just thinking about you guys praying for you. And I'm going, if you meant to talk to Steve, you know, that's one thing, but I'm here on the phone and you need to talk to me. And I was, you would pray and you would speak. And it was the moment. The other memory I have is driving with you and Eleanor to a function at the Granite Club. I was a piano player and you said in the car, okay, let's pray. And that was the first time I thought we're praying. He's driving and we're praying. <laughs> I hope he's keeping his eyes open, but you just, you know, by not giving into the resistance, by saying, this is who I'm going to be, you know, it's been transformational for, for us. And I think millions. So let's talk a little bit about resilience. What would be your definition of resilience? Like I say, it's a surprise. I mean, you are still here. We planned a great celebration of life for you, Paul. <laughs> Remember a few years ago <laughs> thinking Gee, this guy's not going to be with us long. It's like, you're still here. What does resilience mean to you? I think it's just being, it's being faithful every day. And, uh, and I, I get up every day the same way and I start the day. In fact, when I wake up, I try to make my first thought go to the Lord. And I've memorized a lot of the old hymns. Like this morning, I said, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything. And you go, and, and so I just start the day with that. Then I come downstairs and I'm lucky that I'm a, a morning person. And like today, I woke up at five o'clock and, and like Eleanor doesn't come down till, you know, thank goodness she's not a morning person. And so I have all those uh, times. And so, I, and I, I pray all the time, you know, that I want to finish well, Lord, I want to finish well. And, uh, and you got to be so, like, you see what happens in this world today. There's so many, and, and the media, like, I don't go on any, I'm not <laughs> social media. What All I got to do is say one stupid thing. And, you know, and, and so I don't trust myself in those areas. So it's just keeping on, keeping on, as I would say, and enjoy the Lord. The Lord said, I came that you would have life and have it abundantly. And so, Okay, Lord, this is the day you've given me, and I'm going to enjoy it to the best way I can. And, and the, the wonderful thing that I've discovered, Kathy, I'm not nearly as important that as I used to think I was. <laughs> I thought, man, I got to do this and everything opportunity. And, and now Eleanor has our schedule, and she says no a lot better than I do. And, uh, and, and we enjoy it. And, you know, like I'm going to be 79 here in a few weeks and uh, obviously I don't have a, and getting shingles there's a good and bad part about shingles it's really even today I'm into my 11th week with it but I, I just I'm tired you know and I'm really getting good at sleeping in the afternoon uh, but and the other good side of that Kathy I wake up well especially not I'm getting a, a better now it's not really as bad but when I was first had I couldn't sleep at night and so I finally recognized or praying, and I'll forget about it, which I did. And then so I pray for an hour and that. So I would say to Eleanor, the whole world got prayed, 
prayed for because I had a couple hours in the night. And I got a prayer list. It's a long one. And I got everybody alphabetized now. And of course, I got 21 people with cancer that I pray for and all that kind of stuff. And the different ministries, you know. Anyway, just keep on keeping on. And don't ever, the Bible says, don't weary in doing good. And, you know, my John 15, 5, Jesus says, you know, um, abide, remain in me. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And so ask the Lord to fill you, go and do it. But you got to be careful. Do not indulge your ego at the cost of your soul. Live an exemplary life. I love it. So I just want to talk a little bit about the opportunities and what you've said no to and what you've say, said yes to, especially as you know, you're in this season of life. Um, what is that like for you? I mean, you've said Eleanor says no better than you do, but like, how has that been very um, strategic for you in making wise choices? Well, I'm, I mean, I don't have the energy that I used to have either, but we're trying to be at this age. I try to be like, I did a lot of fundraisers for charities and everything like that. And everybody would want me to speak there and that. And I basically, you know, we've cut a lot of those back and especially large crowds and those type of things and uh, like celebrity golf course uh, tournaments and that. I don't do it. They're all day things. I don't do those anymore. So we're trying to be a lot more, well, age appropriate too. But I'd, like I said, I, I don't take anything without passing it by Eleanor. And, uh, and I, I trust her implicitly. And she knows that if she, if she says, no, don't do this, she knows I'm not going to do it. And I have no problem with that anymore. But it, my ego would have never let me when I first started the ministry. And, and, you know, I was such an idiot, too. Like, I never took a holiday for five years. And when I look back at it, like, I wanted to prove that Paul Henderson, I was a hockey player, but could I make a successful ministry? And really, I think the Lord would have said lots of times, Paul, why don't you take a rest? You know, I mean, I was very disciplined in a whole lot of areas. But I look back now, I spent a lot more time with Jesus and listening. And, and now, like, there's so many great speakers out there. And you find new ones. I just found, well, a little while ago now, but this uh, Hugh Ross, astrophysic, unbelievable intelligent guy. And he, the, and. And now the book that we're going through right now is Gentle and Lowly by Dane uh, Ortland, O-R-T-L-U-N-D. It's incredibly, like, it's a, what's in the heart of Jesus. And, and on Tuesday morning, my group there, and in the, there's a couple of guys in there that have been Christians for a long time. And they said, oh, man, we're just learning so much. And that's the great thing, Kathy. Like, we're never, ever going to you know, the wonderful thing, we never arrive, and you can always go deeper, and you can always be a learner, and I'm trying to learn, and you know, I've always been a reader, but I've, I mean, the God has given so many people, Dallas Willard, I mean, oh man, guys are so, N.T. Wright, the only thing I don't like about him, I have to read the paragraph two or three times after six concussions to understand what he means, Eugene Peterson, too. Like, I mean, some of these guys are just incredible. Yancey. And, and God gave them that ability and uh, to explain things and help us grow. Yeah. I think you've mentioned something of huge importance to all of us, not only those of us who think that we're leaders, but just we're living, that every day, a lot of us, including me, we wake up thinking, okay, I've got to prove myself today. 
I've got to do more. I've got to produce more, please more people, you know, make promises to more people. And there, I think the biggest shift in you from what I'm hearing is just saying you wake up every day with something different in you, something that is uniquely Paul Henderson, but not who you would have been had you gone a different path. And I just want you to kind of explain this grace zone that you live in. You wake up every, I know you wake up every morning and pray and you're still diligent about working out and you've got, you've got such intention to your life. But I think that you've lost this drive to say, I've got to prove something today. Can you just talk about what it feels like to be you? What does that feel like to be comfortable <laughs> in your own skin yeah. and say, this is who I am? Well, you know, when I discovered that I was there is that I decided to, I, I, I still memorize scripture, but I've, I've been doing a lot of memorizing out of the message, Eugene Peterson. And that verse, the third beatitude is this, you're blessed, you know, when you are content with just who you are, no more, no less. And that's when you discover that you're proud over of everything that you can't buy. And I thought, that's where I am. I'm, we're, you know, we're no multimillionaires and all that kind of stuff. We live in the same house we have for 31 years. My car is 10 years old. But you know what? I'm content with just who I am. And that is a gift from God. And like I said, I know now that I, I, I'm not nearly as important as I used to say. I was, and so God doesn't want to lay anything heavy on us. And, and the good news is, Kathy, he waits here with open arms. And he wants to unfold us, just like my children. Now I've got grandchildren. And, and, and well, you know, they got, and these little ones, they come to you, and they just take them in your arms, and you love them. And they don't care if their diaper is dirty and you're all over yourself. You just, they belong. You know, I love them. And I think that's the way God, and that's why I try to picture myself with God now. I mean, he knows I'm an idiot, and he knows that I can get impatient and say dumb things and all that kind of stuff. But you know that and i've given him everything you know that was the now i've given him eleanor too but on occasion i'll take eleanor back and i got okay lord i'm worrying too much about this and you tell me not to worry on that so so the good news is i don't expect myself and god doesn't expect us to be perfect but he expects us to be faithful put your faith and trust in him even when you don't understand it even when you get cancer trust me trust me trust me and I'm going to, and you know, the hope of heaven keeps you going. But I start thinking, Kathy, of the things that I'm thankful for and, uh, and grateful for. And I tell you what, just like, I can't think a person in the world more fortunate than I am. Not a person. And don't want to be anybody else. And I don't try to be anybody else. And I'll tell you, a, a good mentor, John Bradford. I was in this group for three years. And him and my pastor came and they said, we've got some new guys have joined the church. We need somebody to lead them. We want you to take over. I can't lead them. I've only been a Christian for three years. And, and anyway, they talked. And, and John Bradford says, Paul, he says, don't ever try to lead the way I do. You're totally a different person. You're enthusiastic. You're passionate. I'm more of a laid back guy. And, you know, he said, don't try to be, just be yourself, Paul. And that is great advice. And so if you're comfortable with your body, you know, and God's given it, well, got different gifts and that kind of stuff. And so just be the person God wants you to be and, and use the gift that God's given you. You know, John 15, 8, why this is my father glorified that you bear much fruit 
and so proved to be my disciples. And so you work within your gift zone. You're well, like what you're doing today. Like you, I mean, I've seen you just blossom unbelievable and uh, and doing things like I couldn't run a podcast in a hundred years and do that. And so, you know, and you're going to have a tremendous, and your book was such a blessing to, to so many people. And I mean, you put so much detail into it and that's your giftedness. And, you know, and so God bless you, woman. You know what? That is a word I think so many of us need. I know we're in a crazy world right now where I always say the the world's heart is broken. But even in that, people are carrying things that sh they shouldn't be carrying. And what I hear that you're carrying is really grace. I mean, you've got grace all over your life and you've surrendered the things that you can't carry. They're too heavy. I mean, even you know, your, your relationship with Eleanor, it's like, God, this belongs to you. And I think somebody needs to hear that. I needed to hear that uh, in order to receive more grace, which is the life that you're living, the grace-filled life, you have to give back to God everything. And I love that. That's, that's beautiful. As we come to a close of this conversation, um, I would love to keep talking, but you've written books. And so we are going to put in the show notes where they can find um, more of your voice in your books, even, even books for kids. I mean, we've given those to our grandkids. It's amazing. But do you have a final kind of sage word of wisdom? I mean, you are young, but you're not as young anymore. And I think we are living in a culture where we're looking for change for truth that's unchanging, like what was true, you know, a hundred years ago will always be true. And I feel that you have grasped that, that you've taken hold of not only biblical truth, but wise living truth. So any parting word of wisdom that you can leave with our listeners? Well, I thought about this for a while, Kathy, and I've settled on that. I want to go back to my uh, mentor, John Bradford, uh, he said to me, well, there was eight of us in the group. He says, you need to write a purpose statement for yourself. And, you know, what's a purpose statement? Well, he said, you got to sit down and think about the man that you want to become as a husband, a father, a friend, and then what you want to do with your life. And I thought that was a good idea. And so he said, sit down and think about that. And so I did. And I did for several months. And I spent probably three, four months. And one day I came to him and I said, John, I got these notes. and." And uh, um, what do you think about this? And he said, well, Paul, a purpose statement, uh, you got to get down to one sentence. One sentence? I said, why the heck didn't you tell me that to start with? He said, well, now you've got all this out there. Condense it. He said, you need to get it down to one sentence. And you know, Kathy, I'm pretty competitive. I said, I'm going to do better than that. I'm going to get it down to four words. And so I worked for several months with John's help. And back in, uh, well, when I was still in Birmingham back in the uh, late 70s, I wrote a purpose statement. My purpose is to be a godly world change agent. Godly, I want to live every day in a manner worthy and honoring to the Lord. God let me score that goal for a reason. So I'm going to try to use it as wildly as I can. And you know, Kathy, I've been to 20 different countries around the world, Siberia, telling people that there's a God that loves you. And he wants you to get to know them. 20 countries. And Eleanor's been a lot of those. And then, and so that's what I mean as worldly, as wise as I can. I've spoken in every province. I think I've done every marriage prayer breakfast. And, <laughs> and then change agent. That's what John Bradford, he became a change agent in my life. Changed my life incredibly. 
And that's what I decided to do. Still living, I wasn't in ministry then, but I, I wanted to be a change agent in terms of affecting people's lives. And, you know, and then when I started the ministry, I thought if I could ever get to 25 groups, boy, I'm just going to be. And today <laughs> we're in 200 and 921 cities and 77 countries with leader impact. And, but, but the only reason that happened, Kathy, when I turned it over to some people that, that had knew about strategy and had, were strategic in their plan, or I couldn't have done that in 100 years. But it's incredible. You know, you look over your shoulder and just sitting down writing a purpose statement. So I encourage everyone, sit down and think about the person that you want to be as a husband, a father, a friend, church attender, whatever that would be. And then what gifts do you have and how are you going to use them? That's amazing. Never Living lose. by design instead of exactly. default. And I think of the arena that you were in when you scored that goal. I mean, it was a big arena for the time the world was watching, but the arena of influence that your life has now, I mean, it is, it is global. It, there's, there's nowhere probably that your message hasn't gone. And, and I think that speaks to that act of surrender. I'm giving you my life. If I try and and stay in this arena and make my name big, um, it may end small. And here you are just saying, I'm giving it to you and it's big. And I love the fact that, you know, you've become stronger in your inner man over the years. I mean, you, you're just incredibly, you are strong, you're resilient, you rise every day, newly committed, you want to finish strong. But yet your body at times has not told that story. And I think we depend on, you know, physical signs and, and cultural signs to define us and say, um, you know, is God really at work? Is this really the story I should be living? So I just am so glad that I can look at your story and say, we go from strength to strength and it doesn't need to look like physical strength all the time. It doesn't need to look like worldly success all the time, but finishing strong is that deep transformation. And it's been a joy for me to know you all of these years. It's a joy for me to talk to you right now. And um, I think you're going to outlive us all, Paul, truly. <laughs> I, as long as I don't outlive Eleanor, that's my only fear. <laughs> that's right. Well, we'll pray for that too. So right. thank you so much for being with us today. My God pleasure, bless. kiddo. Have a great Thanks. day. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Strong Way and my conversation with Paul Henderson. He is not only a hockey hero, but a real life walking advertisement in how to live life well. I admire many female leaders, but Paul is a male leader that as a friend, mentor, and someone who has invested in my own leadership journey has made a transformative difference in my life. My takeaway is that you get stronger by committing to disciplines that remain consistent day in and day out. Rising early for that workout, daily Bible reading, and the commitment to pray faithfully for people in your world are practices that can't help but strengthen your game. Many of us are spectators. We know there is an arena, a place that is waiting for our moves and where we can have influence in a way we can never have just staying on the sidelines. It just takes courage to step into it. My encouragement to you is to get into the game. You may not score the winning goal in the game of the century. You don't need to. What you do need to do 
is get suited up and get out there. Your moves can impact anyone and everyone watching you. How you win, how you lose, how you handle fame, how you handle failure, and maybe most importantly, how you can be faithful in the midst of suffering. Until next time, I stay committed to help you find your strong way forward. I believe in you. God bless. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Strong Way with Kathy Astupchuk. For show notes and to get in touch, be sure to head to thestrongway.ca or kathyastupchuk.com. If this content has been helpful, we'd love you to share it with your friends on social networks and subscribe so you don't miss any amazing episodes. And remember, the strong way is not always the easiest way, but it is the best way because it's your way. Until next time, stay strong.